say this every week, but how am I supposed to follow that up? <laughs> I, have, I think James, I think, did that to me on purpose. Um, I have often joked with Sarah Beth, uh, we got married seven weeks after I moved here. Um, it was a little bit of a whirlwind season, but I have often said that I think that if there was only one thing that I would change about our wedding day, we didn't really know James and Tyrone that well right, right when we were planning it, but I think I would have included that in, in somewhere in our ceremony. Um, our gospel reading tonight is a familiar one, as it is... Uh, the, the gospel reading that is always a part of the lectionary on the week following Easter. And so that is the gospel according to John chapter 20, verses 19 through 29. Please rise and body your spirit for the hearing of this, morning's, this evening's gospel lesson. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Bill Buckner had a solid career as a Major League Baseball player. His 20-year career spanned across four different decades. To put that in perspective, the average length of time that someone that makes it to the Major Leagues is able to stay in Major League Baseball is 5.6 years. This does not even consider the millions that play baseball and never even come close to even sniffing the major leagues. Bill Buckner had 2,715 career hits, 285 more, and he would have reached the elusive number 3,000 hits, which essentially makes you a shoe-in for the Baseball Hall of Fame. He was an all-star, and he was also the National League batting champion in the year 1980. The impressive statistics about his proud career could go on for a while longer. Bill Buckner was, by any, any statistical measure, a great baseball player. 
Bill Buckner died in 2019 at the age of 69. If you're not extremely familiar with baseball, you may be wondering why I am talking to you about this random above average player whose baseball career ended 30 years ago. But if you're familiar with baseball, you may already know where this is going. Despite his incredible career, especially in comparison to most everyone that is not a Baseball Hall of Famer, Bill Buckner is very infamously known. Not because he treated anyone in his family poorly. He was married to his wife for a very long time, and they had several children. He did not murder anyone or commit any crime that I know of. He is infamous because during the 1986 World Series, Late in the game, Bill Buckner missed an easy ground ball late in the game, causing his team, the Boston Red Sox, who at the time had not won a World Series in 68 years, to lose the game and ultimately lose the entire World Series. If you watch or remember the play or go home and watch it tonight, the baseball is hit slowly and it just trickles in between the legs of Bill Buckner. Even though a number of mistakes were made by teammates in the game, the Red Sox loss in this World Series was blamed by many entirely on the error by Bill Buckner. Rich Gedman and Dwight Evans also made errors in that game, but no one remembers that. Jim Rice went 0 for 5 with two strikeouts in that game, but no one remembers that either. Only Buckner. Many people would say that it was entirely his fault. The popularity of this moment lives on in infamy. When I was a young kid growing up playing baseball, I thought that Bill Buckner was someone that I wanted nothing to do with. I did not know the whole extent of the story when I was very young or anything, but I knew that if someone said, don't pull a Buckner on that ball, that they meant that you should not let the ball go through your legs. I knew his name because the world can be a cruel place. I should have known his name because I follow a lot of baseball, and he was a good player for a very long time. But instead, I knew his name for one mishap that he had before I was even born. As a first baseman, in his whole career, Bill Buckner only made, 20 years, 128 errors in 13,901 plays in the field, meaning that he made the correct play on the ball 99.1% of his chances. Pulling a Buckner, quote-unquote, would be more accurately classified as someone that does something well for a very long time while being a good family man. But instead of that, it is identified by a three-second window of time that was not a good reflection of a person's life. He received numerous death threats and boos in the wake of the mistake. His torture went on for far too long. In 2008, over 20 years later, in an interview, he said, I really had to forgive not just the fans of Boston, per se, but I would have to say in my heart, I had to forgive the sports media for what they put me and my family through. So you know, I've done that. I think I'm over that. 
Bill Buckner probably would feel a lot of sympathy in relation to Thomas in our scripture this evening. Like Buckner, Thomas's name has probably unfairly been dragged through the mud a ton throughout church history. Most of us know the name that many Christians have assigned to Thomas throughout the years. What is that? Doubting Thomas. And that name is typically used not as a term of endearment, but as an insult. Oftentimes we have heard people doubting anything, whether faith or anything else, be referred to as a doubting Thomas. I'm here to tell you on this day that I do not think this is a fair assessment of Thomas. Did Thomas doubt the resurrection as the disciples described it? Yes. But does that make his entire identity that of a doubter? Did Bill Buckner missing one baseball through the legs in a World Series make that his entire identity? No. And sometimes I wonder, can we really blame Thomas? The way that we often read specific, uh, specific sections of Scripture at specific times and to tell specific stories occasionally keeps us from recognizing important details that may not be mentioned explicitly within the text. That is certainly the case here. If we simply look at this story alone, it may seem to be one of several resurrection stories that happen in the days following Jesus' resurrection. But this one is a little different. Immediately before this text begins, the passage before it ends with, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The conclusion of the story of Mary entering Jesus, encountering Jesus outside the tomb. So when the passage this evening starts, when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, Jesus' appearance to the disciples in the first half of this passage that we looked at tonight is actually on Easter Sunday. This is an Easter story. And it is not an unannounced and unexpected one either. Mary Magdalene has just told the disciples earlier that day that she has seen the Lord and told them what he said to her. Yet, they sit in a locked room out of fear. They have been told that their Messiah has conquered death and is alive just as he said he would be. But, they aren't looking for Jesus. They are in a locked room. As I have looked at this passage this week, a familiar passage, a new question raised in my head. Why was Thomas not with them that night? Why was he not in the locked room like it sounds like the rest of the disciples were? The scripture does not say, but we can wonder. Perhaps Thomas was merely in another locked room for some reason. Perhaps Thomas was too scared to even be with the other disciples. Perhaps Thomas was tending to a family matter or looking for a new trade now that a lengthy time of following Jesus seems to be coming to an end. Or perhaps Thomas was not in the room with the other disciples because he was the only one that was out looking for the resurrected Jesus. 
Perhaps he was the only one that heard the words of Mary Magdalene and went looking. Perhaps he was sitting in places that he thought that Jesus might go. This could potentially explain his frustration when he finds out that the ones that were not out looking for Jesus were the ones that found him. Maybe that is why Thomas wants to see and touch Jesus for himself, because he was already trying to find him. The scripture does not say this. It is all a curiosity to us. But it further arises the reality that doubting Thomas may not be a fair name. The idea of what they report to Thomas is understandably hard to believe. All of your friends except you tell you that they have seen your friend, you have just recently seen brutally executed, and it is supposed to be easy for you to believe this. Now there is the argument that Thomas should have had faith that this would happen because Jesus said it would. But we all know that we have doubts plenty of times. The scripture refers to Thomas as doubting Thomas zero times. It is not his identity. I believe Thomas's identity is better defined by the last of this story. When Jesus appears to Thomas, Thomas does not take time to butter up to Jesus and apologize for what he said. He makes what most biblical scholars claim is the most powerful confession of Jesus's identity in the gospel. My Lord and my God. History tells us that Thomas then went on to spread the gospel in further away and more culturally different places than any of his fellow disciples. He traveled over 2,000 miles to southern India to proclaim the good news to people that would have otherwise not gotten access to it. He was extremely successful in this until his martyrdom in AD 72. The church in India does not know him as Doubting Thomas, but they know him as Saint Thomas, the patron saint of India. What a powerful and not well-known enough story of redemption from a man that we know primarily for his doubting. Because of Thomas's doubting, we allowed the other disciples to get off the hook. Mary Magdalene had told them that the resurrection had happened, and instead of proclaiming it or seeking out Christ, they sat in a locked room before Jesus appeared to them. It sounds like we might have also had a doubting Peter, a doubting Matthew, a doubting Bartholomew as well. Thomas should have been more faithful. The scripture does not want us to overlook his faith, but I'm sure that you have all doubted your faith at some point as well. I'm, I know that I have. But doubting is not Thomas's identity. It's not my identity, and doubting is not your identity. My identity and your identity is found in Christ. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. I do not believe that those words that from Jesus are meant to be a slight at Thomas because of his moment of doubt. Each of the people in that room had seen Jesus, so if it were a slight at Thomas, it was a slight at all of them too. Not to mention it is important that the disciples did see the resurrected Jesus because they, including Thomas, passed the story of the resurrection down all the way to us. 
I believe that blessing for those that have not seen yet believe is to serve as comfort to all of the other followers of Christ that would come after. Comfort and encouragement to us that even though we were not there in that locked room, that we are still invited, encouraged, and blessed to be disciples. Jesus came to Thomas where Thomas was and gave him the opportunity to make the boldest claim of Jesus' identity he could. My Lord and my God. Jesus came to the disciples where they were in the locked rooms, told them that they are sent as Jesus is, and breathed the Holy Spirit upon them. And that Holy Spirit continues to live and work in all that take on the role and responsibility of being a disciple. Although not passing through our doors, Jesus meets us where we are in the midst of our lives. And we have the chance to also be sent out as bearers of the Holy Spirit to share Jesus with the world. Even amid our doubts, may we, like St. Thomas, through the Holy Spirit moving through each of us, go out into the world And through our words and deeds declare, my Lord and my God. Amen.